discuss yesterday. We spoke about the claim of the spies yesterday. What was the claim of the spies on a very, it was a very spiritual claim, as we said. They were very, very lofty people. And it was the fact that they were so lofty that led to actually their downfall and their mistake. So they weren't bad and they weren't lacking faith, but rather they made a mistake. And that's something that we, we, we see um, we see we see a lot throughout throughout these stories that the, that the people were had the best of intentions, but they were just the wrong intentions. Okay, they were just not what the intention of Hashem was. Um, as opposed to the Avos, by the way, it says that the Avos never made any mistakes because um, they were a Merkava for Hashem. They were just a conduit for Hashem's light. Um, although one time it does say that Yitzchak was mistaken, I think with Esau, something like that. Um, but anyway, that's a side point. But the spies made the mistake of claiming, of believing that the ultimate purpose is to draw down the lights, the infinite lights of Hashem down into Malchus of Atzillus, right, through spiritual mitzvahs and spiritual service of Hashem, and into what's called the spiritual Eretz Yisrael, the spiritual Beis Hamikdash, and the spiritual what's called the Knesset Yisrael. However, as we discussed, this is not... Um, this, this was incorrect. I don't need to repeat what we said yesterday, right? That was clear mm-hmm. about what the claim was. Okay, so now we're going to discuss why that's a mistake. It's why page that's 20. the case. Say again? Page 20. Page 20, yes. Okay. So we are up to the beginning of page 20. We said the spies wanted that our service of Hashem should focus on revealing in Malchus of Atzillus its source, which is Chochmah of Atzillus, just as we discussed, the sort of speech is Chochmah. Bina, understanding, is not enough speech, but rather speech comes from a developed chokhmah, as we see with children. And so since they were on the level of connecting to Malchus of Atzillus, that's where they wanted all the revelations to come to. Now let's see what the counterclaim was. Aval Yehoshua the Kalev Amru, Yehoshua and Kalev, the remaining two out of the twelve spies, said, Tova ha'aretz ma'od ma'od, that the land is very, very good. What did that mean? That the land is very, very good. That specifically through going into the physical land of Eretz Yisrael. And serving Hashem specifically with physical mitzvahs. That is how we're going to draw down Hashem's infinite light. All the way from Chochmah Vatzilis. Which is called Ma'od. This infinite level of Hashem Ma'od refers to infinity very often. Um, that's why we say ma'odecha, b'chum ma'odecha, and Shema is, refer- is referring to a, like an infinite level of giving Hashem ourselves over to Hashem. in an infinite way. We're drawing down Hashem's infinite light, b'chinat almin stimin, from the concealed worlds, b'almin deskalian, and from the revealed worlds. So from Atzilus, and also from Bibria, and also from Atzilus, from Yitzirah and also from the spiritual Asiya. We're going to be drawing these lights all the way down through all of the worlds into our physical world. V'zel ma'od ma'od. That's why they said the land is very, very good. Based on ma'od, it says ma'od twice because it's referring to Omen Stimin, the concealed worlds, the hidden worlds, the light that's drawn into the hidden worlds, the Omen Diskalin, and the light that's drawn down into the revealed worlds. So what was their claim? You're wrong. The, the land is very, very good. The infinity of Hashem is able to be drawn down not only into one level of Ma'ad, not only into Atzillus, but also into another level of Ma'ad, into all of the spiritual worlds, including this physical world. Ki be'met, this was their claim because the truth is, 
Ikar kavanato yitbarech. The main intention of Hashem was that there should specifically be a dwelling place for Hashem down here. That Hashem's infinity, that Hashem's light, that Hashem's presence should be felt specifically in this world. Which is very backward. It's the opposite order of many other thoughts in Judaism. Because many other thoughts they say, have you heard of the term, of the idea that the world is a corridor? Right? The world is a corridor and it's kind of the, the path that we're taking towards Olam Haba. So it's the idea that this world's entire intention is to prepare us for the next world, from, for Olam Haba. You're looking at me funny, but that's actually how most people think. That this world, we come down here to grab as many mitzvahs as we can, avoid as many avarices as we can. It's not chazadikadi, no. I don't know. No. Um, but that's funny that, that you're looking at me like that, as if like, like this is how most people think, Shula. <laughs> this is how most people think. This world, we cut as many mitzvahs as we can so we can leave it as quickly as possible and get to Olam Haba. Which means that the, spir- that the physical world exists in service of the spiritual world. What does Chassidah say? That Hashem created all of the spiritual worlds. Why? In order that we can exist down here and we can draw those lights down here so Hashem's presence can be felt down here. So the Tachlis HaKavana, the main intention and point of entire creation is human beings doing physical things and drawing down Hashem's light into this world specifically which is the concept of dira b'tachtonet, right? A dwelling place for Hashem down here. The idea, why is it called a dira? A dira is a home, right? Dira is, a, is, a, is something that somebody sets up, a dwelling place that they call home. And just as when somebody goes home, they kick their shoes off, right? They become comfortable, they act the way that they truly are. Hashem wants to be who He truly is without any concealments, without any restraints. Where does Hashem want to be this way? Where does Hashem truly want to express himself and be himself? Specifically in the lowest worlds. As the famous saying goes from the Medrash, that Hashem desired that he should have a dwelling place in the lowest level, which is this physical world. And just a side point that Chassidus speaks about this idea of taiva. It says that Hashem desired... And we say that we don't ask questions on desires. You desire something because that's just from a very innate deep place within yourself. As we discussed a little bit on, over Purim, for those who love the Purim Imer. And so we don't ask questions. Why did Hashem want this? The answer is it was a taiva. It was a desire. We don't ask questions on desires, right? Um, there's, a, uh, there's a saying in Hebrew now, I'm forgetting it. Something that you don't that you don't argue about um, about preferences, right? If somebody likes strawberry, you're not going to go and get into a whole argument why they should like chocolate better, chocolate flavor better than strawberry. It's just not going to work, right? You don't. On 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 taste and smell, there's nothing to debate. Basically, like Nomi it's not an argument. Oh, Nomi always says that. There you go. Um, right, there's really, we've all learned that at some point, that there's really no point in trying to convince somebody about the attributes of chocolate ice cream over vanilla ice cream. Someone likes vanilla, they like vanilla, go ahead, great. Um, we're not going to ask you questions on why and what the root of that is. Although a psychologist might, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> and so the same thing with Hashem. Why did Hashem specifically want to be revealed in the lowest world, in the most physical of all worlds? Because that's what he desired. We don't ask questions on desires. Although we're going to explain it a little bit, Okay. <laughs> What did Hashem desire? He wanted a dear b'tachtonim. He wanted that he should be nigle, revealed, to the eyes of all flesh. That with our fleshly limited eyesight, 
and eyeballs and bodies, we should be able to perceive and experience and be conscious of Hashem. And that the revelation should be down here as it is above. And not only that this revelation should be down here as it is above, the Yeter says, but that there should be even more revelation. That we should be even more conscious of Hashem and more united and one with Him. Specifically down here, the Yisron or bless you, the Yisron or Haba Minachoshech Dafka, which is the idea that there is an advantage to light that specifically comes from darkness. So Hashem wanted two things almost. One, that He should be revealed down here as much as He is up there. And two, that He should be revealed even more so down here. And this is possible because specifically the fact that this world is specifically a dark world and we're extracting the light from it, that light is even more powerful than the light that was always light. Light that started off as darkness is more powerful than light that was always light. Because the truth is, the higher a level is, the more elevated something is, very elevated, it becomes revealed with greater intensity, specifically down here. Vieta says with more power. So we're going to give an example for this idea. So the, the, the idea here is that the truth is, why is it that there's an advantage to light that comes from darkness? Why is it that Hashem's presence is possible to be most felt in the lowest places? Because the truth is that the more elevated something is, the lower it needs to descend for it to be truly grasped. So there's an example that's brought for this. So Mashal. So there's somebody who's very, very, very smart. So let's say an inventor, okay? He's super, super smart. He sees the world in ways we just don't see it. It's impossible for him to reveal his wisdom to that who is receiving his wisdom with speech. He can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk all day. If he's trying to express his ideas and his inventions and the truth of how he thinks, to somebody lower than him, he can talk for the rest of his life, the person will not understand. Ki imberemes, the only way he can truly express his wisdom to something lower than him is through hinting. Bamasa through actions. Yachol legalok says, in that way he can actually reveal with all of his power the depth of his wisdom. And so example, an inventor, right? So who invented the plane? The, the Wright brothers? Yeah. I think there was another, there was like a rivalry going on mm-hmm. at the time. But the Wright brothers are the ones who actually got a plane to fly. Imagine they came into the room here. We'd never seen a plane, heard of a plane, knew what it was. And they started to explain all of their ideas about aviation and how things move and how... Uh, we, they could speak from now until yeah. we're 120 and we, would, we wouldn't get it. But what did they do instead? How do we truly understand just how... Gene, and we wouldn't even appreciate how smart they are because we had no idea what they're saying, right? So you can't appreciate... You can say, oh, okay, they're smarter than me. I don't understand what they're saying. But you can't truly understand the depth of their wisdom because you don't understand their wisdom. But what did they do? They created a plane, right? And something that we can see, that we can experience, we can use. And when we look at that, we can see their wisdom. We can appreciate the truth of their wisdom. So sometimes the higher something is, the lower it needs to go in order for it to be appreciated and truly felt and experienced. Ke'inian Maimorazal, as we see, <coughs> there's a quote from my sages that says, that is sufficient for a wide, wise person through hinting. Mm. It's, a, it's sufficient to express your wisdom through a hint. And it's an interesting thing that sometimes you have teachers come in um, who, they don't come and tell you just how much they know, just how much Torah they've learned. But just through like, uh, like 
throwaway sentence and reference to some obscure book you've never heard of, you can actually understand truly that, wow, there's more to this person than I see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they can come in front of you and they can teach you, but they can teach you all, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Honestly, not that much. Um, but but there, are, there are really teachers who can come in and they can just like reference a Gemara and reference a thing that they've learned. And they can speak and speak and speak all day. You'll never really understand what they know until they just throw a, a little throwaway hint and then you're like, oh, okay, this, this person knows, knows some stuff, right? So, there's another analogy for this idea. From a diamond, or even tov baher means a precious stone that has an engraving, an engraving in it. The fact that it's so shiny, the stone, you can't actually make out the letters that are engraved within it because you're too overwhelmed by the shininess. And the only time you can actually appreciate and reveal what the letters are saying, specifically, when you take that precious stone and you stick it into wax. And then everybody can see what the message is. So you can have a message engraved in a precious stone, but the precious stone is so shiny and so precious that either you're distracted or you're dazzled. It's just too shiny to actually be able to make out what, what the message is within the stone. Then you put it into lowly wax. Wax is useless. Wax is not precious. Not, it's not useless, but wax is not precious, right? It's a common thing. And specifically, through inserting this precious stone into it, we can make out what, bless you, we can make out what the message is, right? And we see this with, um, you know, the, a king, the kings used to have special stamps. I'm sure the stamp was made of something precious. And they would put it into wax, and that's specifically when, when you would be able to see that this represents the king, right? So this is the idea that, if Hashem truly wants to reveal His wisdom to the world, He can, He can, um, Hashem can speak and speak and speak, so to so to so to speak, speak and speak, and we'll never truly be able to appreciate Hashem. Not only us, but the angels and the souls and any created being can never truly appreciate the depth of Hashem. But specifically, when Hashem lowers Himself and invests Himself in creating a world that we can experience, that's when we can actually start to connect to Hashem. And that's really what the whole Chakira is about, the whole Jewish philosophy looks at the world and says, well, what can we understand about Hashem by looking at this physical world? And the truth is, quite a lot. We can learn quite a lot about Hashem by looking at His creation down here. And we can truly connect with Hashem by connecting with the physical mitzvahs down here. And this was the mistake of the Muradim. They didn't appreciate the advantage that specifically involving ourselves in physicality gives us in our connection, our relationship with Hashem. And this is why it says, and this is why it is written, or eat him or to, and you will see them, referring to the tzitzit. And you will remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. This is also from Vayomer. You will look and you will be able to remember all of the mitzvahs of Hashem. Um, men wear tzitzis, and they actually, there are certain times in davening where they are obligated to go and kiss their tzitzis and look at them. And the tzitzis have 32 strings. I think they have. Not 32 on each side. I think it adds up to 32, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think it's eight on each, right? Eight on each corner. And there's four corners. So there's 32 strings. And these 32 strings represent all the mitzvahs. Why do they represent all the mitzvahs? We have 630 mitzvahs. Why don't we walk around with 613 strings, right? That would make it a little, little bit harder. Um, and the, the weight of all the other Exactly, all the other stuff. Um, and the answer is because 32 is representative of a Kabbalistic idea that there are 32 channels from Chochmah into Malchus. There are 32 channels that Chochmah gets drawn down all the way into this world. 
And again, how do we say, how does Chochum get drawn down into Malchus? Through the mitzvahs. So there are 32 chutim, there are 32 strings representing the 32 channels that mitzvahs draw down Hashem's infinite light all the way from Chochmah down into our existence. So that's why we look at the look at the strings and we remember all of the mitzvahs. So it says, Lefisha, so that's going to discuss briefly the difference between a talit and tzitzit, right? The bottom of page 22. Because the garment of the talit is corrupted. So tzitzis represent, they're very physical, tangible strings that we look at to remember the idea that the physical, tangible mitzvahs that we do down here, all of them draw down these very, very lofty channels, 32 channels from Chochmah. So now we'll see the difference briefly of a talis and tzitzis, right? Yeah, you have two, two different garments that we wear. So nafisha talitu b'chinat or makif. A talis represents the encompassing, surrounding light of Hashem's presence. V'hatzitzit shehem lamad beit chotin, and the tzitzit, which have 32 strings, b'chinat lamad beit nativot ha which is referring to the 32 channels of chokhmah, which, again, this is a Kabbalistic idea, that are drawn down through the Ormakif. The Eifshar, and it's impossible to hint at this process rather only through something physical. The only way we can truly appreciate this tremendous process that we are drawing down the encompassing infinite lights that are too powerful to be invested and revealed in creation through physical mitzvahs, we draw them down through the 32 channels of Chochmah all the way into our consciousness and our reality. We can't truly understand that. Rather, how can we treat... So Hashem could have given us two ways of remembering the fact that our mitzvahs are doing this tremendous thing every day. He could have said, learn the Zohar, learn Sefer Yitzira, where it describes the 32 chutim, right? 32 channels by which Chochmah comes down. But Hashem didn't tell us to do that. What did Hashem say? Wear physical strings and look at them. And through that, you will be able to remember the significance of what you're doing. Because we can only truly appreciate the significance through hinting and through the physicality, the significance of our actions. Does that make sense? So the Eifshar Shir Mazuki in Bamasa Dafka, Hefech Machshavas Muraglim, which was the opposite of the thought of the Muraglim. The only way we can truly draw down Hashem's light, the only way we can truly become one and conscious of Hashem is specifically through hints, through concealments, through darkness, through the physical world that we live in. However, Moshe understood this. He understood the advantage of physical mitzvahs. But he came from a generation, what was called the Dor Hadea, the generation of knowledge, specifically integrated knowledge. He came from a tremendously lofty level. And therefore, it was not possible for him to come to Eretz Yisrael. So here, the altar was actually giving us an explanation for why Moshe was not allowed to enter the land, even though he begged and begged and begged Hashem. And the answer is because Eretz Yisrael is a physical land where we need to do physical mitzvahs as physical limited human beings. Moshe Rabbeinu was not that. Moshe Rabbeinu was not physical in the way that other people were and he was on such a high spiritual level that it wasn't possible for him actually to serve Hashem by lowering himself to the level of physicality and physical mitzvahs and so no matter how much he begged because he appreciated that the whole purpose of creation is the physical mitzvahs 
he had to stay with his generation in the desert. Nonetheless, even though Moshe was on such a lofty level, he didn't make the mistake of the Muraglim. The Muraglim were also on a very lofty level, not as high as Moshe. <coughs> but they were on a very high level, and they made a mistake. <coughs> they said, we're so high, we cannot go so low. We cannot lower ourselves to this point to serve Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu, however, even though he was so high, what did he do? He begged and begged and begged Hashem. It says, even though he was on such a high level, hit palel tafkut tet vav tfilot. 515 prayers. Kaminan of Etchanan. The Etchanan is the parsha, which means, and I was begging, which refers to the story of Moshe beseeching Hashem to allow him to enter the land. And it's famously brought that, I think it's also a Rashi, if I'm not mistaken, that the Etchanan, the um, numerical value of the Etranan is 515, which teaches us that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed 515 times to Hashem to allow him into the land, and I remember learning, maybe it's a medrash, but that Hashem said, if you ask me one more time, I'm going to have to let you in. You're not allowed to ask me. Like, you have to stop. Why was Moshe so adamant, even though he was so spiritual, that he wanted to enter the land? This is the entire intention of Hashem, the tachlit habriya, and the purpose of creation. Not only of the creation of this world, but the creation of all of the worlds. Kanal, as we mentioned above. And nevertheless, even though Moshe understood this and Moshe desired this, he was not able to enter. He had to remain with his generation in the Midbar. The Yahashua Dafka Machnis and Yahashua, who was specifically on a lower level than Moshe, was the one who entered the Jewish people into the land because he was the one who was capable of fighting the wars and, and truly leading a generation whose task was now to serve Hashem on a physical level, in a physical Eretz Yisrael, and in a physical Beis HaMikdash. So even though Moshe wanted so much to perform all the physical mitzvahs in Eretz Yisrael, because remember, he was limited to not being able to do certain mitzvahs because there are only certain mitzvahs you have to be in the land to be able to do. Nonetheless, since he belonged to the generation of knowledge of Hashem, Dor Hadea, which is involved in the spiritual service of Hashem in prayer and Torah study, he wasn't able to enter Eretz Yisrael. However, Yehoshua, who was on a lower level than Moshe, was able to enter the physical Eretz Yisrael and bring the Jewish people into it to perform physical mitzvahs. And that is the mimer. It was a short little mimer, right? Crazy short. Crazy short, right? There, there's officially a chapter two with some explanations, which make it a lot longer and more complex. But um, I do think that we'll we'll suffice with this, if that's okay. I, it's a short mimer, but I think it's a powerful one. Pardon? Is that short? Why is it crazy? Like a sikh. Actually, sikhs are usually much longer than my mimer. A mimer is not a mimer because it's short or because it's long. Mimer is a mimer because it's 